Hello everyone, um, my name is Sammy, and I mean, let's get into this. Let's, we're going to do this journey together. We are going to get through this loss together because let me tell you, I know it can be tough. I went through it. I'm still going through it. Grieving is a ever omniscient, omnipresent process that lives with us at all times in our life. But, um... I'm here to tell you that it does get better. And I'm making this podcast because I know that there's a need for it out there. Teens are often, teens and kids, just children in general, are often incredibly overlooked in the process of grieving. There is not a lot out there going on for us. I know when I, when I lost my dad, I think the best resource there was was like a picture book and a brochure saying it gets better. Nobody was leading a circle for me. Nobody was having Zoom calls. I don't know. There was, there was nothing. Um, I mean, my mom was in a widow's group, but there was no kids who've lost a parent group. There was no kids who've lost a sibling group, kids who've lost a grandparent. That that doesn't exist. It's not It's not really a common thing in this world to lose a member of your life that early on so here I am coming to you virtually so I can be heard all around the world to share my story and let let me get into a little bit about me and a little bit about what this podcast is about so my name is Sammy I'm in 11th grade and I live in New York City which I think played a part of my grieving process which we can get into later um and I lost my dad to Terminal stage four pancreatic cancer when I was 12 years old. He was diagnosed when I was 11. Um, I have a mom and a sister. And my mom is now happily with her boyfriend and we live with her kids. So we'll get into that with his kids. We'll, We'll get into that later. Talking about how there's a future for you and your family. As difficult as that may sound. There's no replacement, but... There is happiness in the future for a parent who's lost a husband or a wife or a loved one. Um, But yeah, just a little bit more about this podcast. I'm here to share my experience with grieving because, believe me, grieving is tough. When my dad died, um, when he died, I just, I think I kind of shut down. I don't know what I, I, I think I'll discover a little bit more about myself talking to you guys because it's an interesting and confusing thing to live through and go through at, at such a young age. And I'm not even young compared to some of my friends, um, and who've lost a parent and we'll get into that because there is a support system for you. Um, and yeah, So essentially, I already said previously, but I didn't really see anything for me out there when I was going through this. You know, you could search the internet and you see, um, you know, like happy little posters from like hospitals releasing statements like, oh, it'll all be okay. But I'm here to be real with you guys and tell the truth about this whole process as a kid um, and get into it. So my plan for the podcast is this is going to be a little introductory episode. I'm going to share 
parts of my story, like my, my overall, my whole story with you guys. And then later on, we'll go into specific parts of the grieving process. Um, and I'm going to be interviewing therapists, doctors, um, just overall professionals who deal with this, maybe school counselors. Um, and overall, I think a very big portion of who I'll be interviewing is kids like me and you who have lost a sibling, a parent, a loved one, maybe even pets. I'm thinking of doing an episode with a friend who lost a pet because although that seems kind of simple compared to losing a parent or a sibling, uh, it's still something important to talk about because a lot of times people don't know how to deal with that because pets have been with us since we were very little. So I think that could be something interesting to talk about for people. And... I'm always open to suggestions. You guys can reach out to me in the comments or questions box on this episode, and I'm happy to take any advice. Um, maybe I'll do an interview with my sister, talking about her process, because she was maybe seven years old when our dad died. So that could also make a good episode. Um, so yeah, I'm really just trying to pull different perspectives, different stakes in sort of the grieving community, and trying to make the best picture possible to help you get through grieving because I know it can be tough and it's not fun to say the least. So let's begin. Um, when I was around 11 years old, well, throughout my entire life, my dad had always had these weird back pains that would sort of put him out of contract, if that makes sense. Like he would be bedridden for like a day cause it would hurt so bad. It happened like once a year and we never knew why. And so when I was around 11, <clears throat> I, I want to say in like March um, I, of me being 11, um, we went to a trampoline park and I'd wanted to go to trampoline park for so long. And my dad made my wish come true and he took me to the trampoline park. So we were doing the Ninja Warrior activity at the trampoline park and he like felt a sharp pain in his back, like that pain that he had always felt. And he was just like destroyed, like wrecked. So he drove us home, which was difficult for him. We had to leave immediately. And he was bedridden for the next couple days. And we had no clue why. We just thought it was the usual, you know, dad gets back pains, take a Tylenol and it'll, it'll pass, you know? Um, and I kind of felt responsible for this because I'm the one who forced him, not forced him, but had been begging him for so long to go to the trampoline park. You know, I felt like it was my fault. And seeing him hurt so bad in comparison to all his other back pain days just was really sad for me. And, you know, he always assured me saying it wasn't my fault. But deep down inside, I still felt a little in charge for what had happened. So the days continue on. Um, he's still hurt. And um, we go to just the local like doctor's clinic, not his usual doctor, um, just like the local nearby clinic. And I was with him and they run an EKG on him, which is, you know, to see how his heart is going and stuff. They run blood tests, they run the usual stuff and they see nothing wrong with him. They say it's probably just, you know, the back pains that he had described to them and they sent him on his merry way. Um, but it continued and it got worse and worse. So then he visited his regular doctor. Doctor said nothing. He visited so many doctors, probably seven to 10 doctors maybe, 
every specialist just trying to see what this pain could be. And he was really in pain at this point. It had extended on for about a month at this point. And I think finally he met with someone who was like, maybe we test for pancreatic cancer. And just some background on pancreatic cancer. It does not show up in blood tests. It does not show up in any normal cancer test of any um, type. The only way to find pancreatic cancer is to do a, um, I think the word for it is mammogram. You know, when someone is pregnant and you put the cold jelly on their stomach to look for where their child is, um, that's what you have to do for pancreatic cancer because you'll find the tumor on someone's pancreas via mammogram. Actually, that's not a mammogram. What am I saying? That is a ultrasound. Sorry, mammogram is a different procedure. So you need to take an ultrasound to diagnose someone with pancreatic cancer. So he got an old, to, to my knowledge, he got a ultrasound and they diagnosed him with pancreatic cancer on the spot. Pancreatic cancer is usually found incredibly late in someone's life because it's incredibly hard to diagnose. And it was already stage four by the time they had found it, meaning it was practically, it was terminal by the time they had found it, which means he was gonna die. So the trampoline park was around March. He got diagnosed around April and they kept it a secret from me and my sister and i had been staying up late every night in march and april you know like oh it's not going to be cancer it's not going to be cancer i'm sure it'll be some back surgery that can be fixed easy peasy it most certainly was not um they sat us down in may mid-may i want to say when i was 11 years old and they gave us the scientific name of pancreatic cancer you know some gibberish name just to try and confuse us and I go oh thank god it's not cancer and I remember they look me in the eyes and go they go no no no. it's pancreatic cancer stage four pancreatic cancer and that was I don't remember what happened after I think I shut down I'm I'm really not sure to be honest with you guys what happened after because that was a lot to take in and I was just like, he's not going to die. You know, he'll, he'll be the 5% that makes it. You know, He'll be the 2% that makes it. I don't know the statistic on it, but very few people live with um, pancreatic cancer, stage 4 pancreatic cancer. And it's actually, although you're more um, predisposed to the cancer with the BRCA gene, you actually have an easier time fighting it with the BRCA gene. And unfortunately, my father did not have it. So that was definitely... That sucked. Um, And I was only 11 in fifth grade. I really had no clue what was happening. So about a month before he died, which is now February, I was 12 years old, February of 2019, um, he went to the hospital. He had been in and out of the hospital. He had stays here and there. And he went to the hospital to have a stay. And I think it it was pretty bad. I didn't know. I thought he'd be coming home. The ambulance picked him up one night. That's the last time he saw our apartment. Um, and the last time he saw my dog. The last time he saw me at home. And so we visited him every night at the hospital for the month of February. It was around mid-February. And then they moved him to a bigger room on the 14th floor. A nicer, bigger room with a water view. Rather than a room that he shared with someone else. And I just thought, you know, you think it's like a hotel upgrade. Like, oh, dad won the jackpot. He's going to a bigger, nicer room. But looking back on it, uh, 
that's the floor where they put people to die at this hospital, which really sucks. So that I, I didn't know at the time. I just thought dad gets a nicer room, but no. So as time went on throughout the month of March, he broke down more and more, couldn't, didn't have his eyes open, was sleeping the entire time, couldn't speak, couldn't move, couldn't use the bathroom. The cancer had taken over by this point. Um, and he was such a good person. One of the last things I remember him saying was he died on March 23rd and my mom's birthday is March 20th. And we were at the hospital and they gave him this like special chemical where it could make him talk for some reason. It really hurt when they did it, but they did it on him so he could say something to my mother. And he goes, handbag, handbag. And we were like, what the hell is he saying? And he was like, what handbag for your birthday? And she started crying because my mother likes purses as most mothers do. And he wanted to get her a birthday gift. And she's broke down in tears because she was like, this is the only birthday gift I need being here with you. He was so sweet. He was literally three days from dying. And the only thing he could say to her was, let me get you a gift, which is really sweet. So March 23rd comes along, it's 1 a.m. It was a rainy day, we drove back from the hospital. Um, it was 1 a.m. And I remember my mom walks into my room and goes, I, I don't remember the exact line, maybe it was he's dead, it happened, or I have to go to the hospital. And then she said, Daniel will be coming. And Daniel was my dad's best friend, he's my godfather very close family friend to our family. So Daniel was coming to watch us while my mom went to deal with death paperwork. And I was just like, I, I it was still raining outside. I, I wasn't really shocked. I knew he was gonna die at this point. It had been pretty obvious. We'd been sat down and spoken, spoken about it. And I think I had been so disposed to the death already it was a 10 month fight or so i had seen the death yeah may to march yeah i had seen the death so firsthand that i was just like okay i like okay i don't really know and i wanted to go to school the next day my mom wouldn't let me um i wanted to go to school the next day after that my mom wouldn't let me and then that was the day of the funeral two days after he died i believe so i went to the funeral and we sat in the room where people can shake your hand before um, it's time for like the actual ceremony, if that makes sense. People shook my hand, said so sorry for your loss. People I had never seen before. People were hugging me, kissing me, shaking my hand, all this stuff. And I was literally just sitting there with a stone cold face. Like <laughs> my mom's crying. My sister's confused as hell. Pretty sure she was crying. I'm just sitting there like, hands in my pockets. I Maybe I was on my phone and I was just sitting there with a stone cold face. Pretty sure I stopped saying thank you to all these people. I had been told sorry for your loss so much. Um, so then they moved us into the quote ceremony room, I guess. And I sat on the front row. My mom's hysterically sobbing, sisters hugging my mom. I'm sitting there and I'm just like stone cold face again. Remember that whole funeral 
word for word. And like, I, I feel like I'm a camcorder. Like I, I saw the whole thing and kept it like a film. And I just sat there and watched, didn't cry one single tear. The entire process didn't cry once. Call me messed up. I guess that's how I grieved. We all grieve differently. We'll get into that in future episodes. But I just stood there and I watched and we followed them in the special funeral car to the cemetery. They made me say a prayer. Um, no crying yet again. I see my dad's grown men friends crying. Um, I'm so unaffected and, and unmoved by it. Um, and then at the funeral, I, I mean, at the like burying, I was just sitting there yet again, mother crying, sister crying at this point. I'm just sitting there. I, I probably looked fucking insane. Excuse my language. I probably looked sick in the head just sitting there staring but we all we all deal with things differently. I was only 12. Literally, I knew he was dead already. I, I guess that's why I didn't cry. I, I guess it didn't shock me. That's all I have to say. Um, the next day, I asked my mother if I could go to school that day. She said no. She said, why would you go to school? Your father literally died three days ago. The funeral was yesterday. You will stay home. So I was forced to stay home. I think I just wanted to go to school to see people, I guess. Um, and I wanted to pretend like, I guess he never existed in my life. Like none of it ever happened. I just, I think I wanted to pretend that I had lived my whole life as a three person family with no father. As if he had always been dead. I, I don't know why I wanted to. And I think in a future episode, I can talk about how I sort of wanted to pretend it never happened, if that makes sense. I I remember one moment where I got back to school and all my teachers had signed me a card. And the guidance counselor would check in on me often. And my friends told me that one day the guidance counselor had come into the sixth grade science classroom and said to them, Sammy's dad died. That's why he hasn't been in school recently. Don't treat him differently. You know, ask him how he feels. And I felt so violated because I didn't want anybody to know. I never told anyone he had cancer. Nobody knew unless they came over to my house and saw my basically dead dad sitting on the couch. I wanted to keep it a secret. I wanted to keep my grief a secret. I wanted to keep death a secret. And I wanted to keep sickness a secret. Um, and I can only imagine how it feels for people who never got to say goodbye, people who lost a parent in that moment or a sibling in that moment or anyone in the moment and they had to hear by phone because I got the chance to lose him over 10 months, even though I already knew he was dead. But I can only imagine how it feels to lose someone in the snap of a finger. I had time and I'm grateful for that. But... I kept it all secret, and I think I felt violated when that school counselor came in and told everyone, because I'm not friends with these people. It's the middle of sixth grade. I just got to middle school. You know, I only have five to six close friends. Not everybody in the class needs to know. And it spread around the grade like wildfire, and it just felt uncomfortable getting stared at when I got back. And, yeah. So, that's my grief story from sort of the ages of 10 to 12 directly after he died. 
And I think in next week's episode, I'll talk a little bit more about from 12 to 17, how I got to where I am now and the current spot I am now and how I still am handling death. But yeah, I thank you guys for listening to the first episode. Um, Share it with someone who might need to hear my story in order to feel like they're not alone and leave any questions, comments, or suggestions. And yeah, feel free to reach out to me in that box below. I'm always happy to talk about this because it's a very important topic in my life. Thank you for listening.